When someone says, that's a stupid question, they often don't mean the question itself, but the person who asked. In other words, they say, you are stupid if you ask that question. And this mindset is one of the reasons why people don't contribute in workshops or meetings, why they stay silent and don't ask what's necessary. Welcome to the 101 Innovation Hacks, your live stream and podcast on innovation, customer centricity and creativity. And if you remember, last time we said that we will continue with the solution space in this series after the summer break. But we got some very good and not stupid at all questions from the audience that we didn't want to wait to answer until after the vacation. Therefore, today, this short special episode. But before, like always, our warm-up exercise. For us to get our brains going and for the moderators among us in the audience um, to just copy and paste and use it for your own purpose. And I'm curious to see what you prepared. We have one more of these breakout, uh, breakouts, yeah, icebreakers later in the session. But this one um, is like always unprepared to Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, welcome, welcome. So as always, I start, I'm going to start with an icebreaker exercise. And we, as Peter said, we use all these exercises in the beginning and in the middle of every single session. And this one is about being more human. And the question I'm asking, I want to ask you, Peter, is what's the last picture that you took? Uh, you mean on, on the mobile phone or so? On, on your mobile phone, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this can be... <laughs> this, can, this can be embarrassing. Rather, let me check first. This can be rather embarrassing. So <laughs> okay, um, okay let's, let's have a look. Um, so where do I find this? Okay, that's here. Ah, okay, this one, I think this one I can share. Um, this looks like that. Maybe everybody can see this. Um, this is a screenshot that I took from my water rower. This was the time that I need for three kilometers, something like 11.20, and this one is the 500 meter time when I stopped it. And this goes back to something like a challenge that my wife has started with another friend of us. They go for 3,000 meters rowing, how, how fast they can do. And she always sends me results from the gym. And I was then kind of, the first time ever, I tried this three uh, kilometers. Normally, I row a bit longer. This is what I sent to her. I don't know whether it's good or not, but just um, that's <laughs> the story behind this picture. I suppose after three kilometers, you are almost dying. When yeah, with this, one, with this one, yes, this was really, really tough. So I was kind of, the this um, 500 meter time of 140 something, this was getting up, I was below that, but I was literally dying on the last meters and I almost like coughing and it was a nightmare. What about you? So if you ask me this one, of course, you, I'm, I'm sure you checked your mail before. Yeah, you... I just checked. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it's um, my dog in a yeah. yoga pose. So this is Ruby like exercising. So you have a t picture of uh, your exercise results i have a picture of my dog exercising so well <laughs> and i have a idea what this exercise could work for like um for our moderators um if i now show something like a dog and others who have dogs they would say oh cute and can we have a chat or with the one when you do some sports they would perhaps also say ah i do this as well or can we can we connect so obviously yeah i think it's a good exercise but now let's get to um the questions that we got from the audience Got quite a few, and um, yeah, let's dive, dive straight into them. Um, Adam. Straight into the questions. Well, the first question that came in is, um, Peter, 
this one is for you. Looking Thank forward, you. I'm looking forward to the next session, especially how to make the vision more concrete. As someone said, a vision without a plan is just a dream. Okay, so already we go into the um, solution space when we talk about vision and the next session actually after the, um, the summer break will deal with vision and the following ones then later on how we can turn this vision into reality. Spoiler alert, it will not be a plan, but rather a procedure. Because I think the risk when we look quickly at the implementation plan with the typical milestones and responsibilities, task owners, and so on, is that we treat a complex problem like a complicated one. A complicated problem that can be solved by using engineering-like approaches, milestone plans, project plans, and everything. And the plan is really key. And of can course, you explain it, what you mean by complicated and complex? A complicated mathematical problem, like uh, optimizing the engine or so, or kind of things that you can write down in a procedure and then have to just optimize the procedure, check how it works and how it doesn't. Complex problem are the big hairy ones, the ones who are really kind of uh, so many connection lines, you don't even see the problem behind the problem. Complex problems, you very often don't even understand what the problem really is. And that's what this whole series is about. So I would say plan, yes, when you have kind of found out things that you can execute according to a plan. But as you can see, when we go into the solution space for the complex ones that we deal with, it is more like a procedure um, tools that you apply to make it happen. Little tasks, little early failures and things like that, and not so much a real plan. This will then happen for things that can really be implemented, if that makes sense. Okay, so um, maybe I pick one of the lists that goes a bit more for you. Um, let me take this one. It goes like that. I work um, in, no, no, so far in the process, maybe this one is better, so far in the process, you always talk about changing entire products or whole strategies. What if we only want to change a small aspect of a product? So not the complete new product development. From to my what, perspective... To what extent does the method equally apply yeah. here? From my perspective, there is no, no difference in solving uh, small issues, small aspects of a product or creating an entire new product. You just solve a new problem. You create value for someone. If you create a new product, you just start on a more big picture level. You just need to understand, do we, do we have the right, the right idea? Do we really focus on solving the right problem? So you move a little bit higher on the big picture level. But well, if you just create a new feature for your existing product, you just use exactly the same methods that we have shown you in the last five, six uh, episodes. And we're going to show you in the next ones after the, after the summer holiday. But the idea is, hey, you really need to understand, do we really focus on the right problem? Do we have an, a big audience that is going to pay for this or who is really looking to um, wanting to have this feature be be part of the product. So it's, it's just about understanding, is there a need for the product or for the feature? So no, no difference from my perspective. Okay. Um, next question is the one I actually had before that is, I goes like, I work in a company that immediately labels a questioner, I think people who ask questions, as a skeptic who always is against everything instead of welcoming risks and challenges. 
The majority in this company would prefer to rather work off a plan from above, some quotation marks, without asking questions. Um, so what would be your advice here to change the situation? What would you say? Well, uh, the first thing is figure out what, why this is a, a situation. So what's, what's going on? What could be the reason why they do not want you to, uh, to uh, bring out any risks? So what is it, the, what is there on the, uh, from their perspective? Is there too much pressure? So it, it, maybe they just want to be quick and are afraid of, of hearing all the risky elements. So there, there could be something going on. So this is the first thing that I would try to understand. The second thing is, I definitely want to involve uh, the critics. And if you tell them there is a process where we look in, into the bright future, where we create a bright vision, and then we focus on, on these risky elements, on all the risks, there is a structure where we just don't jump between the positives and negatives all the times. There will be time for all of us to bring out all the critical points. So this is like belief in the process, in this process that we teach you. There is some time for being optimistic and there is some time for being pessimistic. So telling your manager or someone else, hey, let's try this out. It's, it's like a structured process. And the third thing is maybe, maybe some more human interactions are needed to, to build more trust and more trustful relationship between the person telling you don't be like this. Maybe there are, there are, there is some need to, to work with these icebreakers more often. So building <laughs> a more, more human relationship. Something so like exactly kind of the icebreakers that we have all the time and, um, what, what kind of an icebreaker would you apply for a situation like this where people are afraid or shy and don't want to contribute? <laughs> well, I always tell them I choose a random one, but it's never the case. So it's, it's always something that, that fits to the, the situation. Mm -hmm. And in this case, whenever I see, hey, they don't really understand each other, they don't really know what, who the other people in the room are, something like tell me some something surprising about you is wonderful so if this always works or something that we haven't gone, gone through so far maybe we can try it out peter right now um so that's, well, that's what i said in the beginning what we prepared because otherwise i would not have had found the picture yeah good good old times yeah. so what what was your favorite candy when you were young peter my favorite candy Favorite candy? I, I don't actually, I didn't have much of a candy. There is this, um, I don't know what is in English, brow. So there is some some stuff which you put on your finger and it, it sizzles in your mouth and gets, um, gets it watering and makes some sound. That's really nice. That's what I loved. Um, and um, a certain special thing of chocolate. It has a, a um, what is it, a shape like a, meh, I can't explain it. <laughs> Uh, like and Angela Merkel, what she always had with her hand. This is a shape and this is um, white, soft in the middle and chocolate around. Nabo for those who speak German. That's what I loved. And you? I didn't have any candy. So we grew up in Poland without candy. No, wow. <laughs> I don't really remember if we had any candy. So it's a really difficult one. But there is another part of this question. So what was your favorite band, music band back then? And these are the questions that 
that let people talk about something they are passionate about and this connects people. Yeah, so Peter, absolutely. what about you? Yeah, my band, when I, the first time and I were really into certain band, I'm pretty much all over the place with music was Queen. And this was the song Flash Gordon, where they sang the choir. And then I was, uh, discovered Bohemian Rhapsody, which was uh, published when I was even too young for listening to that one. Um, this was really great. So I got in with this, I got into classical music, interestingly. And I had some funny uh, look and feel. And you were also different. Like you said, heavy metal was your piece of cake, right? Yeah. Do you do you by chance have a picture of that's, Peter? Exactly. That's what I prepared. So I and I have to yeah, well. put it on my other monitor. So I just want to show it on the screen that everybody can see this. That's the guy over here with the sunglasses. That's me when I was um, a bit younger and a bit more. As you can see, I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I haven't expected you to look like this, but. This kind of jacket, I, I used to have, well, two lives back then. So when I was 18, 17, 18, I listened to different kind of music during day, during the day. So I used to be like the crazy inline guys, rollerblader, so, so jumping everywhere. Um, and <laughs> During nighttime, I listened to hard rock music with long that, hair and- That was you, long hair, cool. <laughs> yeah, so during, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so it was public enemy during the day and at, at night like Metallica and Pantera. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I still listen to Metallica today when I'm on the rowing machine. So continue with the questions. I like this one, but anyway, we need to get to the next one. I think you have one, right? Okay, okay. So. My experience is that the ideas are there, but the road to a solution is endless. The organization is too static, don't want to take risk, don't recognize the idea. How can an organization create a room for people with ideas to prove that they can work? Give them enough freedom to have a chance to succeed, but of course, still keep costs under control. Yeah, that's 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 a very very good one, a very important one, and refers to where these techniques apply and where not, and what's needed. And I would say you need three or four four different uh, things uh, to consider. Number one is you need dedicated people that drive the change from within. People that are trained in the methods like we do them here, and they're they need to be available to the organization for all kinds of workshops and small and larger projects. You can book them and they go in and do the stuff. That's this one. You need also support from um, the very top, or at least the openness. If you have a CEO that where his, he and, or she and her team is strictly against this approach, honestly, I would say you can forget it. Um, you will still achieve some smaller wins if you keep yourself under the radar, but in the end, you will not make a big impact. So you need to have the people that are capable of doing it, enough of them, and you need the support from the top management. Then you should always start with focus areas, um, lighthouse projects or so. Don't try to boil the ocean. You will eventually fail because also these projects, they are, or the people that are not that, that much trained, not visible enough yet, not well known to the organization. And if you start small, the likeliness that you have a success is just pretty much higher. And then, of course, once you have had a success, you need to sell it. You need to be able to convince the rest of the organization about the, the successes that you had. And then by the time you get more and more traction and people will 
be yeah, calling these teams more and more and you see the change. And that's the fourth one definitely is then um, the time aspect itself. Basically, you just need time. The larger the organization, of course, the longer it takes. Um, there's one more question that goes to you. Um, this goes like, it is exactly this question was addressed to you. Hi, Adam. <laughs> Hi, Adam. One more question about the pre-mortem. For those um, who have no idea what we're talking about, just click into the, the uh, list of the uh, videos that are, or the, the podcasts that you see in front of you. One of the things, I don't recall which one exactly was dealing about pre-mortem, kill the idea before it's, uh, it really kills you. So one more question about the pre-mortem. If we look for reasons why our ideas will have failed, in brackets, in two years, we will find good reasons for every idea. I think he means there will always be a reason to kill every idea, if you wish. Yeah? How does a good idea survive anyway? Basically, there is no evidence that your idea is going to work. Peter, there is an echo somehow. Um, so I, I definitely want to have this pre-mortem step um, to, to really figure out if there are some big risks in order to mitigate these risks, in order to figure out if these risks are real. And if you have this feeling after this short exercise, hey, this idea cannot ever survive, how good is it? How great is this result? If you figure out don't spend a million on this product, on this feature, on this process. It's not going to work. So it's a good result. But we are afraid of killing something that we are in love with. So I definitely believe that every idea can be potentially killed. But our task is to figure out if these risks are true or not. So don't be afraid of killing your idea. If you really kill it, then it was supposed to to die either way. So the earlier it dies, it, it, the better it is. And this happened. This happens sometimes with customers that we kill an idea and we have the feeling it's never gonna happen. It's, it's too risky and it's good, it's okay. So in the end, what you're saying is um, killing or pre-mortem, if you really kill it, if the idea really doesn't survive the pre-mortem, it would have died anyway. And otherwise you find the improvement points by doing so. And then the likeliness that it doesn't kill, get killed after time is even going up. We don't kill the idea in order to kill it. We just try to kill it in order to make it stronger. That's the, the idea of this exercise. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe we come to the last one. Last question. I think the last question is more a comment than a question, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, um, after all the training sessions, um, we often receive some feedback from people who, who are new to these innovation methods. And just to give you the idea how much it can change people's way of seeing their job, just a random comment from someone of, from our, some of our listeners. It's a really good feeling to do something, finally do something directly for our users and to tackle the points that were found with your methods. Even if I wished that it would work faster with the implementation, but by knowing some pains, which at the first sight seem to be difficult to solve, sometimes another chance has arisen in a completely different context to make our customers happy after all. 
that's so great. I enjoy it so much that I would like to build up further competencies in this direction. And this is something that makes, a, makes me basically really be happy about what we do here because it, it really changes the way how people work, how people see their job. So yeah, it's good. I can only say to whoever wrote this one, and if you listen to this, thank you so much for this wonderful feedback. And I would ask you, just keep going, take the positive momentum and keep, of course, watching us or listening to us wherever you are. And having said that, I would say, let's close it, call it a day, call it a session today, and uh, we see each other again after the summer break. <laughs>